know about you, but I absolutely love Christmas. Um, I've never been able to sleep on Christmas Eve. I'm 60 years old, and I still haven't been able to sleep on Christmas Eve. There is something about the anticipation of Christmas. When I was a little girl, I used to go and uh, wake up my dad at, I don't know, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 3.15, 3.30, until he finally got up at 5. And together we would make cinnamon rolls, my grandmother's famous cinnamon rolls every year. I don't know how much I contributed to that, but I kept him awake by chattering off about Christmas. Christmas was just so exciting, and I just absolutely loved it. I mean, think about it. It only comes one time of year, and there's such a buildup to Christmas, isn't there? I mean, they, everyone starts getting out all the decorations the day after Thanksgiving and starts decorating their house. And you know, when else during the year are stockings placed on a mantle decorative? I mean, usually, you know, if I leave my socks around the house for my kids, it's like, who left these socks here? But at Christmas, it's purposeful. It's wonderful. It's the only time of year that you sing songs that you know all the words to, unless you go to the second or third verse. But we know these songs, and we love these songs. And it's the only time that you can even hear in the mall that Jesus is Lord. It's such an exciting time of year. There are presents that are all wrapped up, and and they hold so much mystery. What did I get? And they're so beautiful with the bows and um, the creative wrapping. I, I just... I love this time of year. There's such an anticipation of being together and of what Christmas should be. There's certain foods that you only eat at Christmas time. In fact, only Christmas and Easter are you sanctioned to eat all the seized candy that you want and it doesn't count. It's, it's the carb overload day and it's purposeful and it's meant to be. Then there's the beautiful light displays every place, at the malls, the boat parade, neighbors, our neighbors, they string this huge wreath across the street the day after Thanksgiving, and it's an all-out street effort. The women are telling the men how to do it. I love it. (laughs) There's the Christmas trees with the wonderful pine scent, the nativity set, but... All this buildup, all this excitement, and yet, for so many, Christmas can be so disappointing. For so many, it doesn't live up to all the mystery, all the expectations that so many people have. I'll never forget 1967, when my father, Chuck Smith, having read the book, Two Babylons, which I have since heard was totally discredited, chose and believed that we should no longer have a Christmas tree at our house. He preached it. What did it do? People just did their Christmas trees. They just said, don't tell Chuck. (laughs) And I cried and cried and cried. And I could not stop crying. I was lamenting the loss of the Christmas tree. You see, I had read in my SRA in school 
that the Christmas tree actually came to be during the time of Martin Luther when he visited the house of a little girl who was dying. And she said, oh, Dr. Luther, all I want to see is the starlight streaming through the trees in the forest. And so Dr. Luther went out, he chopped down a Christmas tree, brought it in and set it up with lights. And he told her the story of the Christmas tree, that the branches represent the everlasting life because it's an evergreen that we have through Jesus Christ. And the stars remind us of the light that has come. Well, I tried that with my father, but he chose to believe the two Babylons over me and Martin Luther. And so I cried and I cried. I lamented for my father. I lamented the loss of a Christmas tree. Well, my sister was dating a, a young man at that time. Um, and this young man is you know, quite a bit older than I am. He was, I don't know, 12, 13 years older than I am, a young man in his 20s. And he felt so, so sorry for me. He figured that my dad just couldn't afford a Christmas tree. So he went out and he bought me a seven foot tall Christmas tree just for me. Now my mom was in a quandary. So what do you do? Your husband has just preached against Christmas trees. But this young man has generously bought your little daughter who's been sobbing and sobbing the gift that she wanted more than anything else. So they set it up in our basement. We had Christmas in the basement. Now the top floor was filled with nativity sets, mangers, but the bottom floor, Christmas trees, that Christmas tree. But my dad was called away on Christmas. No cinnamon rolls, my dad's gone. Uh, somebody in the church had some type of episode that they needed my father. And there had been tension brewing between my two brothers. And the tension began to grow so strong that punches were thrown on each part of the Christmas tree and ornaments began to fly. Now, if my father had been there, no such thing would have happened. But he was gone and there went the Christmas tree back and forth and back and forth until it finally fell over. And I remember again, just sitting there and just sobbing because I couldn't stop everything that was happening on Christmas day. I was a powerless seven-year-old girl. Another Christmas, I remember my mom worked the holidays so we could have presents. My dad, um, you actually couldn't afford my dad. You couldn't pay him enough, let me just say. And so he had to work two and sometimes three jobs and we just didn't have enough money for any presents at Christmas. So my mom took a job working at the mall so we could have Christmas presents. And so other people wrapped our presents and they decided to surprise us with all these chocolate bells, beautiful little chocolate bells on our Christmas presents. So at Christmas, we would not only have these wonderful presents that my mom purchased, but we would have chocolate as well. Well, the dog discovered the chocolate bells. And I just wanna say that we did not wanna touch our presents on Christmas day. Then, I remember my first Christmas in England. This was my first Christmas in over 36 years without my mom and dad. Brian and I were living on a budget. We didn't want to tell anybody that we had a need. And all we had to spend on each of our four children was five pounds, which is roughly about 10 
dollars. And I tried to be really creative with the gifts that I got them, but we just didn't have any money. Not only that, we found a Finnish, you know, not all done, but the country of Finland, a Christmas tree from Finland, and we bought it. But you know something about those Finnish people? Their Christmas trees hurt. The pine needles are so sharp that even as we're carrying it in the house and trying to put the ornaments on it, we're like, ow, 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 ow. And then not being used to radiators and not knowing better and wanting the Christmas tree to show from the front window, I put it in front of the radiator. So on Christmas Day, I woke up early. I made my grandmother's cinnamon rolls, left them to rise, and went in and found a dead Christmas tree. And not only that, the pine needles had fallen and buried all the presents. So people were dusting it off, ow, 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 just to get to that five pound present, which they were very disappointed in. Then I thought, well, at least the cinnamon rolls will save the day, but the house was too cold. This is England. I didn't know the English ways. And so the cinnamon rolls did not rise. And I remember just being so, so disappointed. Everybody was grumpy. So I sent everybody back to bed. And we did a do-over about three hours later with cinnamon rolls that had risen. But we expect so much out of Christmas. And yet for some, it's so traumatic. Alcohol sales are up at Christmas time. So many people blitz themselves so they don't have to think, don't have to feel because Christmas is so disappointing. 40% more drunk driving fatalities happen during this season than any other time of the year. And there are more deaths between Christmas Day and New Year's Eve than at any other time of the year. So, have you ever been disappointed by Christmas? Has it ever let you down? I think that it lets us down because of all the anticipation and expectation because in our hearts, we know that Christmas should be wonderful. We know it should. And we try to communicate this wonder in the gifts that we give, in the decorations, in the light displays, in the activities, and in the food that we bake, that we buy, and that we eat. Christmas is meant to be felt. And Christmas is meant to exceed our imaginations, our hopes, and our dreams. And in our heart, we know it should be so. At Christmas, we want consolation. We feel like it should be like coming home. I mean, in every Hallmark movie, it's always that the girl discovers that Christmas is not about New York City. Haven't you noticed? Or LA. It's always about that hometown that she left to be something great. You know, Hallmark movies all pretty much have the same storyline, don't they? Brian's like, didn't you watch this the other day? I'm like, nope, different actors. <laughs> but we feel that, our, that Christmas should have the consolation that you are understood. Nobody else gets you. Everybody else is like, what are they doing? You are an enigma. 
But at Christmas, you're understood. You're with those who understand you. At Christmas, you're wanted. You're wanted, you're welcomed, you're accepted, you're known. We want our Christmas to be insightful, revelational, even directional. And this shows in so many of the movies because, see, this is the longing of every heart. I think of the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Remember, I can't remember his character, but it's played by Jimmy Stewart. And he feels, you know, if my son got the Muppet movie, now you know where he gets it. (laughs) But in It's a Wonderful Life, remember how he feels that nobody appreciates him? That it would be better off if he had never been born and never lived? But what happens? Clarence the angel comes and shows him what a difference he's made in so many lives and how purposeful and how meaningful his life is. Then there's the Christmas Carol or the Muppets Christmas Carol in which we realize that our life is really meant to be generous and for kindness and for benevolency. Then there's, of course, the one that we've all seen many times, Home Alone, where we are meant to be mindful of others and good guys win and bad guys get what they deserve. We want Christmas to rescue us from our problems, our poverty, and our pain. Even the world recognizes this. What do you think Miracle on 34th Street is all about? Or my favorite, The Bishop's Wife, where Christmas is really about somebody coming to rescue us, whether it's Santa Claus or Cary Grant, coming to rescue us from our nearsightedness, from our emotional pain, somebody comes. We want Christmas to be like a loving father welcoming us We want that sense of belonging, the sense of security. We want to feel like we are part of a big, loving family. And then we sense in our hearts that Christmas should promote peace and goodwill. We're always so disappointed when Christmas promotes fights over presents. I don't know if you had any of those counters, Christmas counters. My oldest son was always counting the number of presents that everybody got. He was a full egalitarian, making sure that everybody, well, actually, that he got as many as everybody else. So if I spent more money on him, then I would just buy him 10 packs of gum just to make sure that he got the most presents. And I would wrap them all separately. It's not right that people fight over parking places or portions of cinnamon rolls. It should be about peace and goodwill. It should bring out the best in us, not the worst in us. I was at TJ Maxx the other day, and I got this present. I actually found a Barbie minivan really inexpensively. I mean, it's TJ Maxx. I had people trying to take it out of my cart, trying to sneak off with it. I caught them. (laughs) And then one of the men was like, oh, sorry, where did you get that? I thought this cart with all these things in it was just one that they were returning to the aisles. Ah, not so fast. I see you. Are we wrong? Are we wrong 
to expect and want so much out of Christmas, are we wrong? I mean, after all, isn't it just a day and aren't all days the same? No, 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 no. Just like I told the man trying to steal my present. No, 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 no. It is not that we expect too much. It's that we accept too little. You see that day which you've traveled way out of your way for, gone into debt for, waited in long lines for, used up ample amounts of scotch tape and wrapping paper for, rinsed your back pulling down all the Christmas boxes out of the rafters for, climbing up ladders to get that star on top of the tree. And within minutes of flying paper, carbohydrate and fat overload, brimming rubbish bins, lost gifts, the day is over. And yet, we still have these intense, undeniable, indefinable desires or cravings for Christmas to be so much more than it often is. As people, we don't always rightly identify our cravings. Here's just a little test, or just to show you how you don't always know yourself. Because there are times where you don't know if you want a hot fudge sundae or an enchilada. Isn't it true? You're like, what do I want? And could anything be more opposite? I mean, one is savory and spicy, and the other is sweet and cold. But we don't know. Which one do I want? We don't know if we're hungry or if we're thirsty. We don't know if we want a nap or a long walk. We don't know if we want to laugh or cry. Or if you're like me, I tend to say, no, 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 no. When I want to say, yes, yes, yes. We don't know if we want to be alone or surrounded by friends. So many of our longings go unrecognized, neglected, or denied. But basically, there are five distinct qualities that we are constantly seeking, yearning for. The first is wonder. Again, we talked about this. We want a sense of awe. We want something that is exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. It seems to me that even the secular world recognizes this. Christmas is a time of lots of stories, lots of movies that only come out at this time of year. Why? Because someone know, because everyone knows in their heart instinctively that Christmas should be out of the ordinary, that it should take us beyond what we can see or what we have known. At Christmas, snowmen come to life. Elves busy themselves all year to make wonderful presents for every boy and girl. And flying reindeer fly through the sky. And one even has a bright red nose that guides a magic sleigh. Secondly, we crave that consolation I was talking about to know that whatever takes place in the world, we are not alone. And that someday, someday, 
all the evil will be gone and all the wrongs will be righted. We crave to be heard and known and understood. We crave for good to be rewarded and wrong to be punished. In fact, we really, really wish there was someone who was keeping a list and checking it twice and giving to those who are naughty and to those who are nice. And then at Christmas, we crave an extraordinary hero, a deliverer, someone invincible, someone powerful, someone mighty on our side. When Braden was a little boy, he used to love to watch Batman. So I thought he'd like Superman because, you know, every little boy, every little girl, they crave a hero. And I remember I said, don't you like Superman? He goes, no, he gets worked. Seems like everybody owns kryptonite. <laughs> Batman, he doesn't get worked. He works his enemies. You see, we want a rescuer like that that's invincible. Someone who's even conquered death. Someone on whom evil has no power no influence. We want, we want someone like that. So is it any wonder then that people make up a jolly old man who is extraordinarily kind? You see, Santa Claus is not bad. I know a little girl that used to call him Satan Claus. That's what I call him, Satan Claus. He's not bad. He is just not real, but he represents this deep longing and desire that we have for someone who will visit every little boy and girl, no matter where they are in the whole wide world. He will search and he will find and he will give to them. We want a hero like that who is kind and generous, who is mindful of the poor and the suffering and goes out of his way to find them and give them the very gifts they long for. And this same hero, we want him to embody all the attributes of a good father because we all crave a good father. Even those who have had a bad father, they know, oh, I got a bad father. <laughs> I got a dud of a father. But in their heart, they know what a father should be. They know that a father should be understanding, protective, affirming. I had a father like that. I could wake up in the morning with one eye swollen shut and he'd be, hello, beautiful. I'm like, I'm glad you recognize me even when I'm incognito. But a father should be generous and kind and loving. No wonder the world invents Father Christmas because they know that Christmas should have a father figure. Finally, we all crave peace on earth. We want peace in our own heart. We want relief from the anxiety and the worry and the cares of life. We want peace among the members of our family. We want them to love one another, to be for one another. We want peace in our nation. We want all talk of Republican or Democrat to be over. Could we just today of all days just love each other and get along? 
Could we just all paint a smile on our masks and, and just want peace? Could we just have a day without criticism and condemnation or vitriol or mean words? Where do these cravings come from? These cravings are as old as time itself. They go way, way back to the beginning of creation. When God created the first man, Adam and Eve, and placed them in a garden. In that garden, they were satiated. There were no cravings because they had everything they could possibly want. After all, Adam was the perfect man and Eve was the perfect woman. They had every type of fruit tree imaginable that they could eat any time they wanted, any type of food. They could walk around the garden and in the cool of the evening, the great Father God would come and walk with them. But one day a serpent came into this beautiful garden and he began to engage the wife, Eve, in conversation. And he said, has God really said that, that, you could, that, that you shouldn't eat of this tree? And then Eve, of course, she rehearsed what she'd heard. Um, God said that we could eat of every tree, but not of the tree of good and evil, or even touch it. Probably shouldn't look at it. Because in the day that we do, we will surely die. And the devil said, you won't die. <laughs> no, 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 no. In fact, if you eat of that tree, you'll be godlike. God just doesn't want any competition. He should know. But God knows in the day that you take a bite, in the day that you disobey, your eyes will be open and you'll be like, God, you'll know good from evil. You see what he did? Is he began to create a craving in Eve. All of a sudden, she began to long for something, something that she had never had before. And we're told that she took, well, she looked at the fruit. She began to consider it. She began to lust after it, began to crave it, and then picked it off the tree, took a bite, and gave some to Adam. And at that moment, deep, deep, deep cravings entered into the soul of man. They felt a shame and a vulnerability and a condemnation that they had never, ever, ever felt before. And these cravings continued. And men tried to fill these cravings to satiate themselves with anything and everything. They thought evil and more evil just that craving, that craving, like a box of cease candy where you just take one and you think that's gonna work. And then after you eat the whole box, you still haven't exactly had the taste that you wanted. You ever have that at Christmas time? Where that food that you just were looking forward to all year just doesn't taste the same? 
or you've been on this diet for 364 days and now it's Christmas and you eat that cinnamon roll and somehow it's dried out. You're like, how did this happen? Your brownie turns to dust. It just didn't taste all that expectation that you built it up for. Or maybe the first bite tastes so good, but by the 30th, you're sick to your stomach. You know that disappointment, those cravings went unsatisfied and unfulfilled until God promised to Israel and the world that he would satiate those cravings, not through a day, but through a person, through the person of his son, because he said in Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is given Unto us a son is born, and the government will be on his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Then God fulfilled his promise 2,000 years ago in a manger, in a stable, in the unremarkable village of Bethlehem when the Christ of Christmas was born. And that night was filled with wonder. It was filled with the wonder that we all crave, with the purity and innocence of a virgin, the life and new beginning of a newborn babe, the rapturous songs of angelic beings, the sky lit up and the humility of shepherds and the simplicity of animals surrounding a king. The night was filled with consolation. There was hope for even shepherds, even the lowliest of lowly. Angels appeared and told the shepherds, that a savior was born, Christ the Lord. But then they gave direction. You will find him. Go to Bethlehem and search and you will find, find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And the shepherds turned to one another and said, let's go see this very thing that was told us by angels, and they went. The ultimate hero was born that night, the mighty God encased in humanity, that he might know us, that he might know our pain and hurt, that he might know our separation from God. His birth was heralded by angels with such glory that dark Fields shone with the brilliance of the sun. That night, the everlasting father gave his only son that his son might bring us all, anyone who would receive him, into, into the family of God. In John 1.12, it says, but as many as received him, Jesus, to them, Jesus gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. On that night, 
Jesus came to give us God, the almighty God as our father, to, to, to work that craving for a good father, a loving father who sees us and understands us and accepts us and welcomes us. That father that we've all been longing for. That night, the Prince of Peace was born, and suddenly peace on earth and goodwill to men became a reality to all who would receive him, and the ultimate reality for the entire world. For this child born that night will one day rule the nations with truth and justice. And all creation will be loosed from its bondage. We're told that the trees will break forth with clapping and the mountains will sing one day when all of creation comes alive and all evil is put down and there is no more sorrow or crying because he will wipe away every tear from every eye. Have you been disappointed in Christmas? It's not because you expect too much. It is because you were willing to be satisfied with too little. I have a quote because everybody's been doing quotes. So I have a quote by C.S. Lewis. And he said this in Mere Christianity. I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy. The most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, it does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it to suggest the real thing. If that is so, I must take care. On the one hand, never to despise or be unthankful for these earthly blessings. And on the other, never to mistake them for this something else of which they are only a kind of copy or echo or mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find until after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of my life to press on to that other country and to help others do the same. You see, Christmas is even more than we make it. Much, much more. In fact, it is so great, so wondrous that God's only begotten son came to earth as a baby to understand the whole human experience and then to die for our sins so that all the riches that belong to him, all the promises that he alone deserves might become ours. You see, it's so much more than those wrapped gifts because there's even more wrapped presents. 
There's even more rewards that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man. The things that God has for those who love him. There's a greater day. There's greater presence of which these are just a copy or a reminder of what is yet to be. There's the lights that remind us that our Father made all the stars and placed them in the sky and gives light every single night and light to our lives. Oh, you can't have enough Christmas lights. Even if your electricity bill goes really, really high, you can't do enough lights. You can't have enough Christmas trees because he came to give us everlasting life. We're not gonna die. We're gonna live forever and ever and ever and ever. Christmas is much more than the food because we're gonna eat at the lamb's table. And I believe, oh, such delicacies we have yet to taste. Such glory that is yet to be. Christmas is so much more. It's more, it's more, it's more. Because he who is wonderful, he who is counselor, he is almighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace has come, has come, has come. And he will take up residency in every heart that will simply say, come in, come in and reign in my heart. The one who will rule the world with peace and joy and make the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love is coming, has come and is coming again. We can't celebrate it enough, enough. We can't get excited enough for what is ours and what now lives in our heart. Jesus, who is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And we can't lose Jesus. We can't lose him. He's with us. He's in us. So in closing, I want to suggest to you a way to celebrate Christmas and the way I plan to celebrate Christmas. You can find it in the Bible. It's in Nehemiah 8, 9 through 10. And I want you to take this very seriously. This day is holy to the Lord. In other words, it's a holy day or a holiday. Holy to the Lord God. Do not mourn nor weep. Go your way, and here comes my favorite part, eat the fat. That's a reference to butter. Eat the fat, drink the sweet. Send portions to those for whom it is prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Whether you say happy holiday, or as I like to say, oh yes, happy holy day to you too. 
or you say Merry Christmas, you can't get away from the fact that this is the day that we commemorate with so much joy that God has sent his only son who is wonderful, counselor, almighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, everything we have been craving, everything our soul has been longing for, he has come and he is willing to live within us and give us age-abiding life. And someday he is coming again to rule the nations. Will you stand for a moment? Let me pray over you, and then Brian will probably do a second prayer over you because he never thinks mine are quite good enough. <laughs> Lord, I thank you for these people that you love. Lord, I thank you that as I look at each of them, I know that the one who is wonderful, the one who is counselor, the one who is mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father, lives in each one of them. Lord, you have made each of us so unique. Christmas has come to the poorest and the wealthiest of us. Lord, to all of us who craved, who knew that we needed you, you have come in your fullness. You have given us the greatest gift of all. Lord, may we celebrate you this Christmas. Lord, may we celebrate you, whether alone or in the company of friends, whether masked or unmasked. May we celebrate you in Jesus' name. Amen.